actually, uh, I left Scotland when I was 18 and I studied in England. So I've never worked or lived in Scotland, only lived with obviously growing up. Um, so I spent 15 years in London before I came to uh, uh, California. Uh, but there's not a there's a there's a good motion design scene, design scene. It's very much more. Um, there's a huge animation uh, design. Uh, I think in in London, and um, obviously the visual effects area is really big as well, with places like Frame Store and things like that. But um, it was never huge, and I always had this vision of coming over here. Um, and because I always wanted to do main titles. Like, I think, like, when I was at college, I went to art school, and um, when I was 19, I saw the Age of Innocence title, and I thought that it was something that I really, oh, wow. I just thought visually, wow, that's amazing. And I was always really into film, but I didn't want to be an actor. I didn't want to do that, but I wanted to contribute. And I never knew they knew how I could do that. And it wasn't until I saw that that I thought, oh, you know, I really like that. And then... I got into Saul Bass, and then I got into, obviously, I saw Kyle Cooper 7, like everyone does, that are my age. (laughs) And, um, but it just, but in London, it just wasn't there. Uh, So I didn't really know what I was going to do. I kind of went into live television, because I thought maybe I can get in that way. I was trying to think of avenues all the time of how to get in. Um, But that didn't kind of work, and, well, it did, but, um, and then, I started to go freelance to see if I can get into anything else, but obviously freelance, I can go from project to project. So like I worked at places like Nickelodeon and Cartoon Network and things like that. So it was always like TV orientated. And then I started working on a few documentaries. So that was really popular, but you know, they weren't they weren't as enthusiastic enthusiastic or as interested as they are here about motion design. And then it just so happened that in 2015, my wife, who worked at Wolf Olins in London, got a transfer to the San Francisco office. Mm. And I was like, oh, this could be my opportunity to get in. And then like a year later, I was working at Prologue. So <laughs> it worked. <laughs> so that's, that's how I got it. So I'm actually quite in the motion design industry here, which I think is huge. Yeah. Um, it's quite new to me, so I've really been doing it since 2016. And, and how do you think, you, you were saying that London didn't really have a strong motion design scene. Do you think that's changed now? Or is it still? I think it's definitely changed a lot. Um, I don't think they still do a lot of, uh, a lot of main titles. Right. Um, I can only think maybe one company, maybe two. But it's definitely progressed. Um to the to a much bigger extent, definitely, but it's still like I would never ever dream of going back there. Like I didn't have a great time in London mm. as only like from a work perspective, because it was very much a boys' club mm. and I felt excluded a lot of the time. So that was really difficult for me. And when I came here, especially when I ended up at Elastic, you know, people here were just so so enthusiastic about the work. And really appreciative and they really cared about what you do and I never had that in London and it was a huge difference to me you know yeah. and like a lot of creative directors and art directors were women in Elastic as well so that was like you know it was just incredible it was, it's been such an, a much better experience and I'm really glad it happened. Is that, that's interesting because I, I just had 
uh, Duarte Elvas, who's a um, creative lead at Swarovski. He's Portuguese. And he, um, he was also saying that, because I'm based in Portugal, and he used to live in Portugal. And then he mm -hmm. moved to, to America. And he was saying that for the first time when he went to America, he felt like the work was considered like the design yeah. there was a design process there was a there was time spent on it there was an actual there were budgets for it everything was much more considered than it, it was in portugal I, i had never thought that that would be the case in in london but that, that kind of makes sense because looking at it now and, and especially looking back um of course there were a lot of uh, film studios and vfx companies and, and there still are but it seems yeah. like motion design for the most part in London, and I'm sure people will correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems that it's a lot of UI work and video game work and not a lot of main titles specifically, either for film or TV. So that's, yeah, yeah I, I guess I guess that's what Duarte was also talking about. And I've, I've, it's interesting also that you mentioned working, a lot of women working at Elastic or just in Los Angeles alone, because I've, I've found myself, uh, since I started working with American studios, I've worked with mostly women creative directors. Um, mm -hmm. And that's really, that's, you know, that's really interesting to me that, and it seems like I get along better with a lot of women creative directors than, than men. I don't know why, I don't know if there's any difference to that. Um, do, 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 you, do you think that there's a difference and the way that you approach work as compared to, to men? Well, that's, you know, that's a hard question to answer, but I don't know. I mean, maybe because there's been, I mean, this could be wrong, but maybe because there's been a long line of men that have been creative directors, maybe they're, I don't know, getting used to it. So maybe they're not as, you know, maybe it's not such a new thing to them anymore. So they're kind of coasting a little bit. I get that a little bit even from um, designers who are men. Like they sometimes yeah. think they can, and producers, you know, kind of all all avenues. But it feels like they're just, well, you know, especially like the white straight male. It's like, I'm just going to coast because I can, because I can get away with such and such and not do much and, blah, blah, blah. And I think women tend to work harder because they feel as if they have to, because they always have to be a hundred percent. Or if they go below that, they're nice. Oh, they're not very good anyway. You know, that's the sort of feeling that you get sometimes. So, I mean, that's what I'd say to that, but I think in London, and it feels like at the moment in London, there it's still very much all the producers are women And all the creatives are men, creative directors are, and it still feels like that there. And that definitely hasn't changed. And I'm sure that there's the odd company that will be like, oh, no, we do, we do, do. And I'm sure that that's correct, but I haven't seen a, a, an abundance of it. <clears throat> all right. So maybe that's why we get along, me and, and women creative directors, because uh, working from Portugal, I'm always, you know, every job could be my last job. I always need to be 100% because you know, that, that's how it feels all the time. So maybe that's why. <laughs> I think probably all the, you know, great, you know, really great designers are like that, whether they're male or female, I think, you know, yeah. man or woman or whatever, but whoever yeah, is like passionate, it always, it comes through. Yeah. 
So you mentioned Prologue. And how long were you at Prologue? On and off for about a year because I had visa issues and things like that. But um, uh, but yeah, maybe what, 10 months exactly. And what was that like? I, I know that Prologue, to me, to an, out, an outsider, they do or did a lot of a lot of uh, film work, not so much TV stuff, right? It seems like it was a lot of film. Correct. I mean, when I first, I was kind of like, I was so excited about being there because I was such a huge fan of um, all the work that they do. Uh, and especially, it was it was so strange, like I was a huge fan of American Horror Story and they were doing one of the seasons when I was there. They were, I could hear them editing it. Um, and then they were also did feud when I was there as well, and I, you know, and I could I could hear it in the edit room all the music all the time. But um, it was certainly an experience. It was there was only like a few designers there, but there most of them now are um, are at Elastic. So Olga Midlenko's at Elastic. So is Nadia um, Lisa Boland was. Uh, elastic so and then of course Kate Berry who was um, in production at Prologue she's now executive producer at Elastic so there's a lot of like people that have been there like even animators that have gone over to Elastic but I think Prologue was certainly it was intense and it was very very dark like usually when you came out of obviously LA is very bright and sunny so it's kind of cool you'd be like putting your hands on the walls and not like (laughs) <laughs> but um but it kind of blew my mind i remember one of the things like some of the posters that kyle had on the walls was um he had the the, the long end credits to seven and he'd mm. like he'd framed it and it was on a wall so it was like you know things like that that you were you were kind of had to pinch yourself just because you were so into the work that they'd done and into film in general it was just you know it was a it was a great experience, but it was hard at times. Yeah, I've I've heard. Yeah, and, and do you yeah. think do you think that um do you think that film titles are going to come back? Because I feel like now it's just made on ends, and it if, it is just made on ends. There's right? no yeah. opening titles anymore on films, and I I understand why to a certain degree because attention spans have decreased, <laughs> have shortened. Yeah. But do you think there's going to be, there could be a comeback? Do you wish it? You know, there could be. I mean, I think sometimes it's the right film, isn't it? Mm. Something happens where it's the right film, um, the right title, and just the way they do it. uh, And then people go, oh, that is so good, the way they've gone into that. It might be even the way the title's done, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, Maybe there's something new that can integrate more so because I know that a lot of directors want to get into the story quicker so they don't want this main title and I guess you know that's why it works with a lot of tv because you kind of sit down and you're yeah. ready and music and the title sequence starts and you're ready for the show um and obviously as you said it's a lot different now so I think it, it could come back but I think it, it will come back in a slightly different way but what that is I'm not really sure yeah yeah what do you think uh, I, I don't know. I've, uh, sometimes I catch myself thinking about titles that I loved growing up from films and stuff like, because Seven was an open title. But mm-hmm. actually, if you think back, a lot of the stuff that I have as reference, like um, Iron Man, a prologue, or Robin Hood, if you remember that one, 
which was um, done a prologue too, very painterly. I think that was a main on end too. And for some reason, I forgot that those were main on ends. I thought that those were open titles. So I, mm -hmm. I guess uh, my nostalgia is making me think that open titles were the shit back in the day. But actually, most of them mm -hmm. were main on ends already. So I guess my yeah. pro my problem <laughs> with with main on ends for films is the fact that they're very specific to very specific franchises like Mission Impossible or something like that, where you have to kind of follow a specific through line that you've done before and again, you do it again and again and again. Or Marvel films, for the most part, they always seem to do the same thing. I guess my problem is innovation. With It's not so much that it's main titles, main on ends are, are a problem. I don't think so. I think it's what you do with that. Um, of course, I'm talking generally. There's a lot of wonderful stuff coming out, but for the most part, and I think that's specific to superhero films, they always kind of look the same because uh, they're all trying mm -hmm. to do the same at the end. And, and one of one that comes to mind that doesn't look like that, that doesn't work like that, and it's actually really amazing is the ones for Spider-Man, the animated films. Those are very... Oh, yeah, they're great. Those are amazing. You know, so uh, I'm just talking generally. Uh, of course, there's a lot of um, good examples. So I don't know. I, I guess I, I miss working in film. That I do. I, I haven't worked in film in a long time. Did a lot of TV stuff, but not so much film. Do, do you guys do? I, I know you guys have done some examples at Elastic that I've seen over the years, but uh, it's a lot of TV, oh, yeah. not so much film, right? Yeah, not so much film. Yeah, we it's. Yeah, we've done the odd film, I think. A few main on ends. Obviously, we did two Marvel ones. Yeah. Ant-Man, I think it was the first one, and then Captain Marvel. Yeah. And then I think we did Cruella main on end as well. That was for Disney. So we, you know, and then I, the one, I, the only one that I've done, I think, was Velvet Buzzsaw. Oh, that um, was that was amazing. That, that was for Netflix. That was really good. Sorry. That oh. was really good, Hazel. That, that's one of my favorite ones from you. Oh, thank you. I think yeah. I remember I emailed you just saying that because <laughs> it, <was, laughs> it was that it was that good. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, no, it was. Um, I do love that sequence. Um, but I think yeah, we don't do an awful lot. And I remember you know asking, do we put? We don't pursue it as much. Um, so I think maybe that's a slight difference with. Prologue and Elastic is Prologue are so known for it and they do it over the years that the same people just keep them going back to them. And I guess for TV, it's a lot to it's the same thing for Elastic. Mm. But um I would do I would like to do a lot more live action. And I feel like that would be a new thing to do because mm. I don't think we've seen it for a very long time. Yeah. And I, I keep saying the same. <laughs> <laughs> um you know, that's why I've worked with you so many times, Philippe, because uh, I, I love your different perspective on things. We've never actually hard. done one together, just bitching. I know. <laughs> that sucks. I know it's hard, but it's like, it's the same. It's You know, sometimes it's difficult um, when it's yeah, like, photography at the moment, it seems. But, you know, I always think the right one will come along. Yeah. It, it's just a matter of, it's sometimes it's just a perfect storm of things that makes it work. That's true. But, um, I mean, we do, we have filmed that most that we filmed where there is actually American Horror Stories because some people they use stock footage, but some of it they filmed themselves. 
So, and that's been quite nice to see that, you know, it's not just CG or 2D. Um, People have added their own, so they didn't have to use stock footage. They've filmed it themselves. Mm -hmm. And I remember when I did Dollhouse, I just filmed the dolls in mud in in this room with a big sort of sink, like a a tub. And um, I was just, you know, and then it was the way that came out, like I put, you know, I actually loved grading it. It was one of the things when I shot it and I brought it in, I loved grading it. And yeah. and I felt like there's such a heavy grade on it that it was just filmed on my iPhone. And it kind of just worked. <laughs> really? It was kind of creepy and low quality. So <laughs> it worked. And I remember thinking, God, I wish I'd done the whole sequence film like that. But yeah. um, it wasn't because of the idea. I had to do some 60s housewives. But um, I really enjoyed it, like that hands-on stuff was just really great um so i would love to do more stuff like that well you're preaching to the choir because i I've, I've been advocating for getting back to live action and i know why those mm. uh, those opportunities don't come often mostly because of a bit t- pricey i guess yeah, and 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 schedules, right? Because uh, yeah. if you're going to shoot something, then you're going to have to prepare and in production, actual production for shoot, and so that's I understand, I understand that. But if, like you were saying, if the perfect storm forms and there's mm-hmm. a, an opportunity for that, then I think it's very worthwhile to bring that back for sure. Um, yeah, with, uh, following up on 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 film, I, I know that um, Elastic is a part of Make Make, the group, right? And you guys have a lot of uh, sister companies. Mm-hmm. And correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, it was created by Angus and he was a film editor and it, he it cut Fincher's couple of films, I think, or more. So there's probably a relationship with film and film studios or directors. And I would think that it would be a, a natural, um, a natural way to to Elastic to be doing titles for films, but it seems like that's not that's not not the case, right? Because those are very separate companies, and they do their own thing. Do you guys sometimes collaborate on on things? How does that work? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <clears throat> we have Make Make, which is our umbrella company, and then there's Elastic. Uh, design and animation. There's A52, which is uh, visual effects. We have Jax, which is trailers and marketing. Um, and then Rock, Paper, Scissors, which is editorial. And Primary, which is color. And then Indestructible, which is sound and music. So there's quite a lot of little companies. And we used to, we work with A52 a lot, Rock, Paper, Scissors. Um, I haven't worked with Primary myself directly, but I know that people the other directors in Elastic have, have done. Um, so there is they also do um scripted and unscripted content, which have just started in the last few years, which I think is really exciting. Mm-hmm. So it's like another avenue that um we could go into or I could go into, which I really enjoy. So there's a lot of like Angus is um he's obviously been well known as an editor. Like he's won two Oscars for um, the social network and the uh, the dragon tattoo film. And he's worked with David Fincher for a very long time. <clears throat> and so I think Rock, Paper, Scissors was the original company. And that was, I think, in 1992 it formed. I'm not quite sure. I think it was around about the early 90s. 
So it's a great, like, um, there's so many avenues that you could take uh, at the company. That So I'm really interested in how colour works. So, like, I'm going to go into a session in the next couple of weeks just to find out, you know, is it just a matter of highlighting a colour and just making it red? I mean, I don't think that is what it does, mm -hmm. but I'd like to find out. I know I know a lot about editing because I've worked rock, paper, scissors quite a bit, but I'd still like to understand how they bring a story together and the process that they go through. So there's certainly, like, exciting avenues to take, and I'm hoping to... Uh, I'm writing a short animation, so I'm hoping to finish that in the oh, next wow. month or so. Um, and like I know that production and Elastic have been very sort of uh, supportive of that. Uh, so hopefully something will come of it later on. I know I'm a bit nervous about it because I've never done it before, but I feel like at this point I need to sort of go out of my comfort zone a little bit more. Mm. Um, so that's what. So even though there are certain opportunities there that I'm really excited about, um, but as far as you would think, because I actually remember asking Kate this, who's our executive producer, I asked her, I thought Elastic would do more film than TV just because of Angus's yeah. role and what he's been doing. And um, I never got like a... a, a I didn't really get, I don't think she understood why, so I don't really know why is what I'm trying to say, is right. why it's not right. like that. Right. Um, maybe it just wasn't pursued as much. When I think when Elastic started, I think in 2010, I think it was Game of Thrones, and that was just so huge. It was such a huge television show. I think that was the first one of the first things they did early, early, really early on. Yeah. Um Maybe they just got loads of TV work and it just kind of stayed that way. Maybe that's what happened, but I'm not quite sure. It's funny because I was looking back through my emails because I just remembered. I was interested in looking for how long have I been working with Elastic as a freelancer. And it turns out it's exactly 10 years this this year. Because oh, wow, really? I was exchanging emails in April 2013 with Jennifer Sophia Hall, who's now oh managing, managing director. I think right, and she was. Well, she an just left. Oh, okay, and and she was an exec producer, I think, <laughs> back then, and they hadn't done any main titles, I don't think, and she was talking to me about pitching on <laughs> Crossbones for CBS. <laughs> no, Crossbones for CBS, and then HBO summer promo, and Crossbones fell oh, through, right. and I I I helped them pitch on on the HBO thing. And I was working with Jennifer, just Jennifer. And she, I remember I was laughing because one of the emails was, was saying, uh, what's your what's your day rate? And I replied, and then she, she said, wait, I don't know if we can pay you because you're not a US citizen. Let me find that out. And <laughs> which is crazy, right? It was because today that's, you know, that's like totally normal. And that was really funny just going through those emails. So Jennifer uh, left the company. Is that you just yeah. said that? I didn't know yeah. this, this, this year. Okay, okay, okay. And I know that Angus must be a really big advocate for for main titles, right? Because uh, it, it, it seems like I think he, uh, I may be wrong, but didn't he help edit or shoot the seven titles with Kyle and David Fincher or something? I think, yeah, he, he edited it, <clears throat> right? Right. 
so you must be in, in love ever since, I guess, uh, of working on main titles. Yeah, I mean, like he's had a big influence on it. You know, yeah. obviously I worked with him on the morning show, um, and then he was involved in Game of Thrones with Kirk uh, Shatani. Right. Um, so yeah, he's really interested in it uh, in main titles, not just. Um, you know, he's interested in the other avenues as well, which is good. It's not just that he's he was once an editor and doesn't do it anymore, but he's like, you know, he's like uh, in charge of everyone. It's not really like that. It's more collaborative. He's interested in all yeah. all the different companies and what they do. And um, so, yeah, he's really involved. He worked with Nadia on Pachinko. Mm-hmm. I think he... He's won a few Emmys. I think he won for obviously Game of Thrones, but Carnival Row was it Carnival? I can never remember the name of that. Yeah, one. or or Deadwood, something like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, you just mentioned Morning Show, mm-hmm. and that's a nice segue to. I was reading somewhere that you have a graphic design background. Yes. Yeah. So how do how important do you think that is? Because you have a distinct um, lens. On, especially in the elastic roster, if I can say that. It seems like you have a distinct mm-hmm. approach. It feels like it comes from a graphic design perspective. Um, just the way that everything seems more grounded in graphic design rules and abstractions and just the use of color sometimes kind of makes mm-hmm. me think that. And good, the morning show is a good example. That's very graphic. Yeah. Uh, how do you, do you, would you agree with that sentence? Do you think that's, a big part of who you are as a professional. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, I did a degree in graphic design. I actually didn't learn After Effects until I had my first job. But um, mm. but I was very much into, you know, um, Neville Brody and mm. Paul Rand and David Carson. I was really into that when I was at art school. I, I thought I really liked Neville Brody's work. And uh, I think I love composition and color and placing things. And I always love it when another designer is really good at it. And I've worked with um, a few people that are just incredible at it. And, you know, I'm just in awe of people that can have really great composition, but understand like design and color. And I always approach things with that design um, perspective. So sometimes like I'll, and I've done this a few times. I don't like things that are on the side. I want to always front on, so the camera's always like, <laughs> like <laughs> straight on, so I can see the composition. So, like, so, so, if, so, someone would turn it like this. I'd be like, no, 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 no. Like, and I always like, even when I'm when I did like, you know, even the doll stuff that I did for Dollhouse, it's always front on. It's never really right, to the right, side. Right, right, right. I just like that graphical perspective of um because it's always front on it's always that perspective like like in a magazine or a poster or something like that so like you like symmetry and and all that stuff i do i I like a lot of symmetry and it makes me feel nice inside when there's a lot of symmetry (laughs) (laughs) so um so i always come of it from that but i also have a huge love of film old film and uh you know like since I was five years old, I'd just been in front of the TV watching just film after film after film. Um, so I, I always try to bring a cinematic side to it as well. 
So I, it's the two things that I love most. And I, I, it doesn't always work, but I try to merge the two as much as possible. Um, but it's had a huge influence, a lot more when I think about it now than back then, because I remember I was like, oh, well, I don't want to do print design. It's like, that's not what I want to do. And it, it wasn't until I was introduced to After Effects, I was oh, maybe I could take graphic design. And, well, this is what you do anyway, but it's kind of motion yeah. It's graphics, but it's moving, you know. Um, and so that, I just loved that and learning After Effects and bringing that in as well, because then I was able to make it a little bit more cinematic. Yeah. You know, even though I was, you know, I'll be the first one to tell you I'm not the greatest animator in the world, but I wish I was. But I think technically, like, things went over my head a little bit. But, um, but yeah, it's <clears throat> graphic design is a huge influence. Still, to, to this day, I'm always looking up stuff that's graphic design more than anything else. Yeah, and some of my some of my heroes and people ask me, some of my heroes aren't in motion design. They're like people like Paula Scher or Michael Bureau or uh, Neville Brody, because um, my background is also graphic design. But to me, I, I don't know about you, but this is kind of a stupid thing to say, I guess. But um, I I usually prefer frames, fr not mm -hmm. the animation, the actual animation. I, I usually like just showing the frames. The stills, and when I'm yeah. <laughs> just kind of silly, but I I know why, because in, in a still, you know, that's pure graphic design. It's not going anywhere. It's not transitioning to anything, and there's no ugly in between frames. It's just that, and I I prefer that because just looks better to my eye. But I I know it needs to move, but yeah, the, the precision of the frame is something that to me is always sacred. Um, to a degree that sometimes it's hard to let go because I know in animation things need to transform and you know go into steps and movements and, and sometimes it's tricky for me to let go of the precision of the frame uh, if that makes yeah because you lose a, you lose a little bit of it I think yeah I think so um, when you go from a still to because sometimes you can do a great storyboard and you have these incredible frames and then it moves and you're like oh okay. Because sometimes the textures don't work as much or as well yeah. as it is still frames. So that's can be frustrating. Um, it's, I think definitely at the beginning it was <clears throat> more frustrating than it is now. But I also like work with people who are much better animators so they can figure that trick. out for me. Yeah, that's the yeah. trip, I guess, is working with somebody who can take those frames and then make them better than they are as stills. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think the key thing for me is just, work with people that are way more talented than I am. Mm. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. solve solve those problems easy. Yeah. Yeah. So what's a what's a typical day like for you at Elastic? Do you work at, at the office or are you at home for the most part? And what's a, what's a day like? Well, we're at home for the most part. We've actually since the last month we've gone hybrid. So we're actually in the studio. We're back in the studio Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Mm. which I have to say, Philippe, I've absolutely loved because I've just missed that contact with people. Uh, um, even though I might be more productive at home because I'm sitting in front of my screen all the time. But, you know, we go there, you speak to people, you're asking them questions, you have lunch with them, you have a coffee with them, you talk about design, talk about your day. You got even if you have a, you have a problem, you go, oh, Kirk, how would I do this? And you'd be, oh, maybe you can do it this way. Do you know what I mean? It's just like, 
is help is that like because when I first learned After Effects, I learned to I didn't learn it with tutorials. There was I was working for a design company and there was four of us and we just kept on asking ourselves questions like how do you do this how do you do that um, and problem solving between us and and even though that our tutorials do help a lot sometimes it you know just talking to someone and then them helping you figure out is so much better so <clears throat> my typical day well today is a day that I'm going to go in after a meeting at 10 so um and basically you know, I'm sh I share a room with two other directors, so Ben and Kirk. Um, and then usually we have meetings. The meetings are a bit strange because we do them all on Zoom now. So it's like trying to find a separate <laughs> room. Like, do I do it on my phone? Because I don't have my laptop with me, but I have like um, a setup where there's no camera. So I need to that <laughs> to figure out because I'm like, this seems to be better at home. But you know, uh, so there's that that we need to sort of iron out. But um, yeah, and then we, you know, we have this food truck that comes every Tuesday, Wednesday, and we have that lunch together. Nice. And then we just go back to work and do more meetings. Or you know, I'm working on a pitch at the moment, so I'll probably work on the pitch. Right. And just we try. Everyone tries to get home before the traffic, so the the hours are a lot more flexible. Usually, I'd be heading in now. Um just to avoid the traffic as much, just so I can get in before 9.30. Uh, so that's kind of, but a typical day at home is, it's similar, but I definitely, at the moment, and I'm sure it will change, um, more concentrated at home. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just because it's new. I've only been, we've only, I've only been doing the hybrid for two weeks. So I think it's just a matter of like, I would really like my setup that I have here to have it at work and it's slightly different. So there's, a, the, there's I haven't got the flow into both right. um, working from home and working in the studio at the moment, but that I think will come, but it'll just take a few tweaks, I think. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I walk my dog in the morning. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but yeah, that's kind of a typical day, you know. It's um, and do you hate Zoom by now? No, I don't mind. I don't mind Zoom. I feel like no, I don't mind at all. I mean, I don't think I've ever like at first again. You know, it's like when it first happened when the pandemic happened. It mm. was a little strange, but I think it really works because I was just talking to someone about this the other day, and it's when we first did meetings. I was trying to think what were the meetings like pre pandemic because sometimes we'd go to the studio and i we'd take our laptops and we'd show the pdf or the deck or whatever and i'm like but what, when we were in we were just on a phone call and we were just hoping that they'd have the deck in front of them and then go through it i'm at page one now page three um what page do you want i'm looking at page eight so <laughs> it was actually worse i think i think the zoom things actually you can see everyone if everyone has their camera on you can share your deck so everyone can see it that's true so it was definitely more consolidated i think you know on a zoom it was so that really has i think that's actually better i think it's improved uh, that's I, I understand that yeah I, I remember years ago like seven years ago maybe um, I was doing a, a presentation to FX, um, talking to the, uh, to the to the creative directors at FX, and I had only a phone in my laptop, so I had to tell them page 
five, not page six, and blah, 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 and yeah. walk them through it. And that's the way you, you did it. You dialed in and just talked about it on the phone. And the first time that I, I spoke with them during the pandemic, we had our cameras on. Yeah. <laughs> and then I realized, oh, there are people. They're normal human beings. Yeah. There's this idea of the client. And then there were yeah. just these dudes in sweatshirts and with their cameras on and the lighting was bad and just like me. And yeah. that made it made it less stressful in a way to present and just made it, it, it helps like you, like you were saying, but I kind of, I'm, that's all I have because I'm here in Lisbon. That's all I have is zoom and email. So I'm. Do you want to prefer it then Philippe? I'm guessing. What's that? You, you must prefer the zoom as well then. I prefer it obviously to the, uh, to the other option. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I'm just sick and tired of, of you know those calls i i like having these calls with one or two people that's that's great you actually mm -hmm. get to, to talk but getting on those conference calls with like 11 other people and then Art. three creative directors and 11 freelancers and it's 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 so taxing you don't really it's very slow and it's just it's just i don't know it just feels like i'd rather be in a room or just talk to me independently because this is going anywhere and I've had maybe too many of those <laughs> of those long conference calls, so maybe maybe that's why. But but yeah, they're totally different from what it used to be. That's for sure. And that's all I have. Mm -hmm. So I, I need to I need to like it. Did you ever did you ever think about moving to America at one point before the pandemic? That maybe that was an option, yeah. or did you say, "Well, I always want to live in Portugal." Uh, I had a couple of opportunities during the years. One of the closest ones I, the closest I got to actually moving to New York was in 20, I want to say 2012, might be wrong, 2014, something like that. I, um, I went to visit the Imaginary Forces back when they had the office in New York still. And then I had a conversation with them and I talked to the LA office and they wanted me to join them in New York. But and we almost got to the point to actually talk about money and getting a contract and a visa. But then I got cold feet because of some mm -hmm. family stuff that I had to take care of over here. It wasn't the right timing. And it felt like it was never the right timing every, every time that an opportunity kind of showed itself. And by now, I think, I think I have it going pretty good, the way that I'm doing it mm -hmm. now. Um, so I'm not really looking to relocate. Maybe for the for something really amazing. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I think I think that time has come and gone, and and specifically now, what we were just talking about, you know, Zoom, and working remote. Everybody's working remote anyway. It doesn't really make much difference if I'm in Lisbon or in Los Angeles for the most part. It's different if you're if you're running a studio. Uh, that I, I have my own studio, so it's I feel that it's different. Sometimes it, it feels mm -hmm. like you should be on location for some some things. But as a designer, as a as a staff or freelancer, I don't think there's there's much difference. What do you think? What being staff difference yeah. between being staff and freelancer? Yeah, the difference of being on location as a as staff, being in the office or. Because I know that, for example, Duncan Elms, right? He's he's in uh, Australia. He's a creative director, right? Like yeah. You, and 
and that seems to work fine, right? So, yeah, is there and like Clarissa's a... in the UK. She's another director. Ah, She's right. in the UK. I didn't know that. Yeah. So no, that doesn't make it. I don't think it does make a difference. Um, as I said, like before, with the hybrid thing, I just want to see other people. Is mm -hmm. that's more why I like going in, um, just to have that connection because I, I feel like your my brain's functioning even better just because I'm just talking to people and not, you know, um, just working like completely siloed by myself. <clears throat> yeah. So, uh, but have you heard like other people that you've spoken to or is there anyone else that's done doing hybrid or you've not heard anything like that? Everyone is doing hybrid. Everyone. everyone. Imaginary forces is doing hybrid. Everybody is doing, I don't, I don't think anybody is doing just office. I don't think office, yeah. it's, it's actually the other way around. I don't think anybody's doing just office hours. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I, I do miss one of the things I, I do miss of just being a remote is I've never been staff at any studio in America. And that I think I kind of missed. There's a couple of things that, that I, I think I missed by not being staff anywhere of not yeah. being part of a team there, not being part of a culture of a studio. And some things that I managed to pick up through the years, I probably would have picked up much faster have I been staff in some studio in yeah. America. I do feel that. Um, but I don't think it's enough to make me, uh, at the time, you know, move to America, I don't think. Yeah. No, I get that because when I... I was freelance for about 10 years when I came here. So I was freelancing in London for 10 years. And then I freelanced up until 2017. And then Elastic offered me a staff position. And I remember thinking I was really ready at that point to have a staff position because I thought, I don't feel like I'm going to progress any further unless I do this. Because I don't want to have my own studio. I don't want to deal with that. I'm just not that sort of person. Um, so I thought I'm going to take a staff position and I think I was an art director um, and I thought maybe I can pro progress to a creative director at Elastic and that's what happened. So I was just really happy. I mean, the five, six years that I've been there, um, I've never been happier because I've never stayed in a job in London for more than two years. Mm -hmm. just a year and a half, two years just because you know, I didn't feel like it was going anywhere or, or the way I was being treated or, or anything like that. So so when I came to Elastic, I felt this is the right one and that's what made my decision go staff. Right. Um, you know, so I felt like I needed to progress. This is the avenue I was going to take and that was it. So, and it worked out. So I was really, really happy. Yeah, for sure. And you're a, yeah. an executive creative director there now, right? Is that your role at Elastic? Yeah, I mean, it's creative director, executive. But does that mean you, you oversee other creative directors' output? or Yeah, Yeah, I mean, definitely with the American Horror Stories franchise, it's, oh, okay. it, it is like that. Um, I'm not as hands-on with some of the studios, if it's a little studio, um, I just let them get on and I'm more of a manager because I know the client really well. I know what they kind of like. Sometimes, I mean, sometimes they throw curveballs, but um, 
you you sort of manage them and say, look, they're not really into that kind of thing. It's a bit too da 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 and then yeah. you know they go, oh, okay, okay. So and then sometimes if it's if it's an individual uh, designer animator, I'm a lot more hands on. Um, and if it's going tits up, I'm a lot more hands on. <laughs> <laughs> But um, apart from that, it's very open and a like kind of, um, you know, I think the, the companies that worked on it were like Feed Me Light, Kill Two Birds and Rough Collie that worked on the little studios that worked on them this year. Mm. And they just did an amazing job. And you're just kind of like guiding them just to make sure they don't, you know, um, you know, waste a lot of time designing something that I know the client is going to do. And they, But once it's approved and they're on this, you know, they're on the sequence part with the boredomatic, then it's kind of just up to them. Uh, so that's when I get an executive creative director credit. Okay. Um, usually it's a creative director when I'm a lot more hands-on. Okay. Okay. And that's, that's and, and, and for American Horror Story, those those schedules are tight, right? Yeah, six weeks, you know, yeah. Yeah. seven weeks. It and it depends. Um, sometimes, and the budgets are awful, <laughs> <laughs> they're the worst like I'm not even going to mention it it would make your eyes bleed if I told you what the budget was but, um, oh, man. Uh, <laughs> and, but people want to do it because you know I'm a huge fan of the show and you know you can end up doing a really cool sequence if you know yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, if you want to and you can like obviously make it a little easier for yourself like you can use stock footage like I remember a lot of um, I think Bal which I think Dave pended in mm -hmm. season two, it was all stock footage, but he just overly treated it. You couldn't tell. And, you know, so he really used his imagination to make it. I mean, there was stuff that he did in 3D, definitely. But a lot of the images, like, um, it was just cut out from stuff that he found, like on Shutterstock, and because um, we've got to license everything, obviously. So, you know, he really, you know, he, 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 there's two ways you can go about it. Or you can just do a really great edit. Where you've half filmed it, maybe you've half done stock footage, and you, the way you treat it, you can't really tell. Yeah. Um, and then I always advise them like not to do too much 3D because if you because they can, as clients can throw like little curveballs towards the end, it can make it difficult. Yeah. So I always say, you know, don't do 3D if it's going to take you a long time. So it's that kind of advice that you kind of give them at the beginning, and because you know you don't want to go far so far down the line that. You have to change something, especially the credits, because they change a lot. So don't do your credits in 3D or anything like that. If you think right. they change at last minute, it's going to be, you know, a pain. And because that happened in season one, where I think with Rubber Woman, which was episode one and two, all the text was 3D. So um, and we'd done, <laughs> we'd um, had typos. <laughs> I'm sure that was last, a pain. A pain <laughs> last yes. minute before it aired. That was a nightmare, so I'm like, don't ever do that again. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. No, on 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 budgets, I think people will be surprised on how some really they're getting smaller as well, Philippe. Right? <laughs> Man, I uh, uh, some really high profile projects, and I'm not going to mention any names. About oh. Some of those really big names, you'd be surprised how small the budget gets. I think the bigger the name, the smaller the budget. I don't, I don't, I don't know. You're absolutely correct. That's absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, that's... I've worked on documentaries which have higher budgets. 
<laughs> that's yeah no that's that's true that's true yeah. <laughs> um okay i'm looking at my list of questions here because i'm a pro at this thing so yeah. is there a is, is that a title sequence that's your favorite not just from elastic is not that, just from elastic is there but okay so two answers so your favorite yeah. title sequence ever and then one from elastic or from your work well i think um i'm trying to think of, i think an older one would definitely have to be the age of innocence that influenced me so much so that was the martin scorsese that was Saul bass sequence yeah um, there was a one by which I really loved by Yuko and it was I can't remember what it was called it's really bad but it was something to do with blood and it was a book and I think it was just a one off episode mm. it had the word blood in it or in a, in a, or red blood book or something like that and it was just blood going over objects but they'd done it in such a way that it felt original and fresh. But mm. it was just like a, the, you know, what I really love about, um, like, I think you can do things that are not original, but maybe just approach them a little yeah, differently. Yeah. So it's kind of the same idea, you know, oh, it's just the blood dripping onto a book. But the way they animated it and did it was just was really, really great. I thought the whole thing looked amazing. But I think... Um, at Elastic, I think I was to choose like one of mine. Mm, Is that what yeah? Um, yeah, one of yours. I don't know. I think I'd have to choose License and Chemistry, the recent one. Oh, wow, nice, yeah, nice. yeah, that's really good. Yeah, yeah, mm. that was really cool. That, that's uh, that's Apple, right? That's for yes, Apple? yeah, yeah. Did yeah. you read the book or? Or no? No, no, I never read the book, no. Yeah, because so, sometimes on projects people ask me, did you read the book? And I'm, no, I didn't. No, I usually just read the, if we've got episodes, I'll watch them. Because, yeah. and if they've got um, scripts, I'll read them, obviously. But I think a book adaptation for is very different. And they had changed it a little bit as well. So right. um, I just pay attention to the scripts and... Yeah. The episodes. Well, to me, it's velvet, yeah. velvet buzzsaw. Oh, um, velvet buzzsaw. Yeah. Of, your, of your work, that's that's definitely my my favorite. Your favorite? Yeah. Oh, really that one was good. Sometimes I forget which one I've done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, done so many. Because so. <laughs> I'll probably go back. And go, oh no, I really like that one as well. I like the morning show. I'd like velvet buzzsaw. I think between more than is good. I think lessons in chemistry is good. Um, I think a lot of the American horror stories are really great. Yeah. Because they're hard. Such a, it's such a, I think some, I don't know if people realize, I think people who do main titles will realize it's so difficult to do a main title. It's so hard. Mm -hmm. um, it's like sometimes, I don't know how you feel about this, but it's very hard to be original, I think. Um, and I used to think that about that a lot, but now I don't at all. Mm. I just want to make something nice looking, whether it's original or not. <laughs> <laughs> as long as it looks good and it's animated really well, because I, I have a thing about camera moves. Camera moves have to be really good. Um, mm. Interesting. It's, yeah, it's 
Yeah, it's difficult. Yeah, I think because I always approach like main titles like I'm branding. I'm branding their the client's yeah. TV show or I'm branding their film. So I, so you have to pay attention to what they want and not try and just go down the route of making something look cool. Right. So it's a matter of understanding what they've given you, the scripts, the idea, how they feel about the story, what's their most important notes, what stands out to them, what do they want to get across. Yeah. And then that's difficult sometimes to interpret that. And sometimes I really try not to overthink it at all and try to keep it as simple as possible so it's readable to the audience and not do something so convoluted that I've always felt like you end up in a really bad way, kind of messy way if you end up being like that. Um, but yeah, sorry, I, I just want. I feel like I feel like research really helps. Yeah, I feel like to me, research will tell me what what the thing is. Even when sometimes a client will tell you what he what he wants. But sometimes what he wants isn't the same as as what's best for the show. And and if you can show him what he wants, and then something really that you think really f- works. And into your point, I think the the fact that it's hard to make something or- original. Maybe that's why I've lost so many pitches because I keep trying to to make stuff that's different and probably to a fault. And um. But that's just, you know, that's just the, the way that I look at this stuff is, uh, and like you were saying, sometimes the idea is is something you've seen before, but the execution, if yeah. the execution is is different, and even directors do that with films all the time, right? It's, yeah. a, it's a genre of film, we've seen it before, but then the execution is just different and fresh, refreshing and amazing. And so there's multiple ways to, to make it good. Um, uh, oh, just sorry. I just remembered the title that you quoted. It was uh, Book of Blood. Book of Book of Blood. Book of Blood. Is that yeah. a, is that is that an old title? Is it recent? I don't remember. It's about maybe a couple of years ago. I have to look that up. Book of Blood. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, I really like that one. Right. Anyway, yeah. To your point. Um, yeah, it's a diff- difficult. Uh, always find out. Um, hard and then I, I'm just and now I just think oh, I'm just doing a main title <laughs> yeah. sometimes you have I'm to just remind yourself money in elastic <laughs> no, just trying yeah. to do my job. sometimes you need to remind yourself that yeah it's not it's not rocket science right it's just it's just right? a main title yeah 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 I totally yeah. agree with that too <laughs> yeah um but yeah I mean sometimes like you know um I've worked with clients and even though to your point I really need to I like to listen to clients and what they've got to say you know they're not always wrong but they're not always right either Um, and we had a really difficult one recently where they just didn't seem to get it didn't understand what we were trying to do Um, but once it was you know, I think one of them did when the director really understood it because they were really into main titles. So they really were on board, but the director was, or the showrunner, sorry, it kind of just went over their head. And that was, you know, an experience that was a little bit frustrating because of the amount of work we were putting into it. 
Um, but we kind of ended up winning that argument, which is maybe rare. I don't know, but it was really satisfying to, you know, so, you know, we were right, you know, like, trust us, we're designers here. Like, you do your thing, you're the showrunner, you got your, you understand that point, that side of it. But we don't need to put everything, because I think they wanted everything in the sequence. And like, ours is just a taster. Like, this is the the palate cleanser, and then you go into your show. We don't, don't be so literal about it. It can be what it is. But do you think that being elastic helped in that instance? You know, being elastic... You guys know what you're doing. You have the track record to show. Can you say that again? You, you, sorry, you broke up, Philippe. Can you say that again? Do you think that being elastic in that instance helps um, get your point across? Because you have the, the track record to show that you guys know what you're doing. Do you think that... Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, I do. I mean, it was actually... Um, they ended up showing the sequence to someone else and they were they had the money. So they, they were like, it's beautiful. That's... <laughs> You know, so we actually had help from the other side. I won't mention who it is because then you'll know what sequence I'm talking about. But um, yeah, it, uh, it was just a relief because they were like, yeah, they understand it as well. So it's not just the director, the, you know, the, the, the people with the money understood it. So right. it worked out really well. But And then we've actually, we're in the middle of just finishing a sequence and the working, well, working with the clients, working with the showrunners has been amazing. Because they've like really got into it and the ideas, and maybe we could do this, and and then we're like, well, I don't think that will work because we have to do this, blah blah blah. And they're like, all oh, right, okay, cool. You know, they're, you know, they've come up with ideas as well because the nature of it, it's hard to explain without telling you, but yeah, yeah. the nature of it is coming up with specific ideas for each episode. So, right. um, and they were really sort of helpful with that, and you know, guided us in a way that was you know, really great. Um, and the working relationship was, you know, fantastic. And, That's great. and when that happens, when you're both on that same level, it's it's great. Yeah, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. So on a totally different topic here, and I know you probably need to, to go. Let me know when you need to really go because I have a couple more questions. I'm okay. You're okay? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you think that having a social media presence like Instagram, I think, is the most important for designers? You think that makes a difference in getting or not getting a job and just and even going to conferences, the design festivals? You think that whole world actually helps with getting jobs and getting and also getting better at your your work? Or do you just need to concentrate on what you're doing and and, and keep your head down? <laughs> I'm not sure if it would help get you work. Mm. Um, it depends. It depends how, how what a big um, following you have. I think. Mm. Um, I think it definitely gives you exposure to different communities that are on social media, especially Instagram with like motion design and like communities and things like that. Um, and then you end up with more followers and blah, blah, blah. But I'm not sure the people that we work with, the clients are looking on Instagram for that kind of thing. Right. So I yeah. don't think, um, you know, I think they get, I mean, sometimes we get jobs, like the morning show was given to us. We didn't pitch on it. We pitched on, me and I just pitched different ideas, right. but, um, the but it was, was 
yeah, the gig was ours exactly. Uh, and that's just because Angus knew Michael Ellenberg, who was, yeah, I think he's got his own company now called Res Media, but he was um, head of drama at HBO. So that's how Angus knew him, because I think they did Carnival together and right. all that kind of thing. Um, so definitely, I don't think, you know, you would get work that way, but it might be a different kind of work. I don't maybe main titles or documentaries and what we do. You might not get work, but um, I was actually I was, I was actually talking more about the, the sense of um, a studio like Elastic finding talent on Instagram, or not so much oh, final, final clients. Yeah, more on that sense. Oh yeah, I do that all the time. Yeah, so maybe yeah, if you're looking for designers and freelancers, I thought you were sort of more talking like clients that we have yeah but no like i spend so much time not even on instagram but other uh, places as well um other websites just looking for different designers looking for people, people will, that... will want to know which sites those are hazel all right well, <laughs> well i think everyone knows who they are I, I sometimes look at all the quickies and motionographer Right. You know, um, I look at on on Instagram, I look at Good Moves. They have a really great um, bunch of stuff. Uh, I sometimes look at Stash, even though it's a lot, uh, it's a little bit more heavy 3D that mm -hmm. they're kind of into. Um, so not maybe not as much, but um, but yeah, and uh, just like sometimes like motion stuff just comes up in my feed in on Instagram. So I'm looking. Um, a lot on that and I just find uh, you know individual artists that way yeah um, but and I look a lot of art as well like a, a lot of painters look at that kind of work um, but I'd say the main one like I really like Good Moves TV because it's always like really top tier stuff and I love the motion design in that they have and it's a diff it's very it's different it's not always the same as well so they you can see that they're like really getting you know, the, uh, in their feed, they're putting people in there that they just love the motion and love the design. I've never um, been on that one. I've never looked at that. I yeah, yeah. It's, it's really good. It's really cool. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's how I find people um, mostly. I mean, I'm not on Facebook or LinkedIn or Twitter or anything like that. So it's just Instagram is the only right. social media I have, So and, and, when you're, and when you're when you're working with with people especially mm -hmm. probably freelancers um do you find that you know uh, people with skills in, in design and animation um that's one thing but then the um, having skills in talking about the work and explaining the work and coming up with and this is a big one for me coming up with ideas when you're working on a pitch and you hire people and they need to come up with their own ideas for concepts, you find that that's kind of hard to find people who are good at that. Is that, is, is the ratio of people who are skilled at executing beautiful work versus people who are skilled at thinking about concepts in the first place. You think that ratio is lopsided? What do you, what do you think? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think um, sometimes you obviously you try and hire the right people, the right designers, and you pick people, especially in the pitch process, who you think will con contribute conceptually, like yourself, Philippe. And that's why, like, you know, 
we've worked together a few times um, and it's very difficult to get both. I mean, obviously you have both, you have a design eye and obviously your concepts are really interesting. Um, and I work with Rough Collie quite a lot and Rob Cordray, who's a creative director there, his concepts are incredible. And, you know, he, also, he has that design uh, ability as well. So, and then sometimes, like, I, I ask designers, do you want to come up with your own concept or do you want me to help you? Because some people get ruffled a little bit and it's like, no, I want to come up with my own concept. And I'm like, totally fine. But some people just don't want that. They'd rather you help them with their idea. Uh, so I just kind of try and understand what way to go. So usually I'd, I'd ask, um, like, do you want to do this idea? I've thought about it. Or do you just want to do your own thing? And then they come back and, you know, sometimes they'll, I'll say, or do you want to um, do a design um, and then maybe do a concept one? We don't have to do any design work whatsoever. You can just draw or use references. But if you think of a, a good idea, and a lot of them feel a lot more comfortable doing that because maybe they don't, they can't get the design um, frames done that quickly mm -hmm. to get their idea across. So I always encourage, especially um, young designers, to. Like, don't stress out about this. Just think of an idea that you think, I think this could work and use references. Or if you want to draw it, you can use, use little drawings. Like it's not a problem. And we can try and sell that idea. If the client doesn't go for it, the client doesn't go for it, you know. Um, so that's the avenue. If, if they're unconfident, I, I suggest that to them so that they don't feel like, oh, there's no way I can just do these design frames with this idea. So I don't know what I'm doing. And they come up with four three or four frames that don't really mean anything, but they look beautiful, yeah. you know? So, and I've done that. I mean, especially early on, like sometimes I've done like a really, really nice looking frames, but I'm like, this is, there's no idea here. It's just yeah. nice looking frames. So it is, it is difficult to get the two, but how I, I let people, you know, come up with their own concepts and not have that pressure of doing incredible frames for it. I'm trying to, you know, you don't need to. Yeah. Yeah. And you just hope that the client, I mean, the client might not like it, then they don't like it, they don't like it. There's not much you can do, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And do you, do you um, uh, I know the, um, at the time that we were, we were speaking, the um, the strike is still going for, for SAG-AFTRA. Uh, and that's, if, if, it's, if it keeps going, it's going to affect, uh, keep affecting the work that we do, especially next year. Um, and talking in a more in, in a more overview perspective about the industry, and by industry I mean main title, um, if we can call it an industry. But the, um, the 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 work of doing main titles for TV shows and, and films, do you think that's going to be? Because I know the budgets are for the most part coming down, and the expectations mm -hmm. keep going keep going up, um, and then there's the whole AI thing people are talking about how's that that's gonna come into our pipelines is it gonna help is it gonna build up on those expectations on the client side is that gonna affect costs is that gonna affect timelines specifically timelines um you know all that conversation how do you see the industry moving forward in the next few years do you have a, a take on that um I think it is I think this whole strike thing is worrisome. Um, I'm kind of a little bit nervous for next year, if I'm going to be honest. 
Um, I think AI, I'm not really that worried about AI, especially right now. Um, And I think if we use it to our advantage, like if we use it more as a tool than something that's going to take over, then I think that's a good way to look at it. At the moment, you can tell when things are done in AI. I don't know whether that will change. Um, and, and, And over the years, it becomes a lot more sophisticated. But I still think it's going to be us that are using it. I just, right now, I just don't see a client going, well, I'm just going to go with this, you know, Don Joe here, you know, kind of fella, um, because they came up with ideas, but then you need a production behind that to make it, you know, you need all these other elements, not just an AI tool. And then there's just always like the trust factor with clients. You know, they they want to feel like um, they've been with you before. They understand the process. They don't really want to go with someone new. There's a wild card with like a AI tool uh, because I think you have to end up um, making it. And at the moment, I just don't see the only problem I see at the moment is the strikes. And I think if there was no strikes and everything was normal, I wouldn't be worried about AI right now. Not at the moment. Absolutely right. not. I just don't see it as something that I think people are, uh, how can I say, like fear-mongering a lot of people thinking this is going to take over. And, you know, you can even see it in the news. Oh, we're going to create robots. And, you know, and I just don't think, it, I'm not sure that's going to happen. You know, like, <laughs> You know, I think things will be regulated and you'll think, well, not everything's regulated. And I was like, well, that's true. But I think the majority of it will be. And I, I think people are going a little bit over the top and paranoid about it. And I think, um, I, think and Hazel, I think Hazel, we're going to have our chance with live action because there's going to be a pushback with all that stuff. That's got all right? that look the same. If people want to see stuff that's different and different is going to be live action again. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm with you on that one, Philippe. And plus, you know, you can tell when it's mid-journey. I mean... Yeah. Right now we can, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right now you can, exactly. So, but then, as I said, you have to develop it. You have to go beyond that. It's not... And maybe, a, I don't know, will it be an AI tool that After Effects just uses? That you just press a button and go, I want the camera to go down here and then along here, and then they do it. Can you smooth the camera out, please? And then they smooth the camera out. I mean, it... It could it could come to that, but then you need someone to do it, you know. And maybe they'll—I don't know. It's really hard to say. It's 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 difficult to. Um, oh, it is. Yeah. Explain it. It is. It is. But the, the future is quite hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it is. It is a, a difficult topic because basically nobody knows what they're talking about just yet. That's yeah. So exactly. Funny. I think. But yeah, I, I'm with you on AI. Doesn't really scare me right now. Right now, being the the operative here, but uh, we'll see. Um, but uh, but I, I just used on on a pitch last month. First time I used a little bit of uh, AI, Photoshop AI, mm-hmm. um, to adjust a few images, to extend a few things, and come up with a little thing here, a little thing there. And I felt dirty already just using that. <laughs> it felt like I was cheating myself, which is kind of weird because I was cheating my process. Because that's not my process. Well, I, I've, I've used it. I've used it on an episode next year for American Horror Stories. Uh, I think it's episode five that comes out. And I used it 
to help on just to help with um, my storyboard mm. uh, and to kind of help with the look that it should be. And I, I didn't put in an artist, like I put in this archi- ar- architect um, that had really clean lines. Mm. So, and then I sort of, I want this to happen and this to happen. And then when it came into production, it was all remade. So there's nothing that's from there and it all looks slightly different as well so it doesn't look like what we did in mid journey or anything like that right and it just it helped with selling the idea right. and then we just remade it all and it looks a little it looks kind of similar but it's it's different yeah. and that it, it helped that way just to because it was supposed to be more of a fantasy so it really helped with that kind of thing so it just yeah. so i've used it and i didn't feel so bad philippe <laughs> <laughs> No, I've uh, I've kind of used it. I use it like that, and I've, uh, like I was saying, and I use it as trying to find references of stuff that I have in my head that I usually would go on the, online to find on Google or Pinterest or whatever, and I still do that for the most part. But sometimes I go into Mid Journey and trying to find uh, find that idea that I can't find anywhere else. And I guess that's right now. That's that's very useful for what we do. Yeah. The problem is. Yeah, a lot of people use it for reference at Elastic, but yeah. not anything else at the moment. Yeah. And that's okay. And that's that's totally understandable. Um, okay. So, you say it's just like going on Google, isn't it? What's in that? a way. It's just like going on Google in a, in a different sort of way. It's kind of similar. You're just using it as ref. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very similar. It's just that you can, you can tweak it a lot more. Yeah. Which you couldn't. Or you can on on just a Google search, uh, but for, yeah. but but uh, that also is a lot of my process. I don't want to talk about too much about myself. This is about me, but it, a lot of a lot of my process is when I'm doing that research, and I'm big on research, really big on research. I trust the fact that I'll find something on Google or whatever that's totally unexpected, and that'll get me into this rabbit hole of going to into something that I wouldn't thought of myself and that's happened a lot on pitches um and that's where the really good ideas sometimes come from unexpected stuff that you find and i don't think you'll get that with mid-journey or ai because you're tweaking it so much it's going to give you what you're looking for and that's it 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 won't throw you anything that you weren't looking for and I, Mm i i so at least to me to my process i kind of really love the fact that I might, might come across something that's totally not what I was looking for, but it's amazing. Yeah, that's true. All right, so last question here, or actually, no, it is the last question. <laughs> and who would you suggest to come on the podcast next? Anybody you want to hear from? You know, I would ask Lisa Bolin. Ah, nice. Yeah, because I think her work, like when I met her at Prologue and then obviously she was Elastic, she's the most prolific main title designer I've ever met in my life. Um, She really has a knack of understanding exactly what the client wants and whether it's original or not, she can turn it out. I've never seen anyone do so many option ideas in my life. In her decks. <laughs> She's an incredible artist as well. She can really paint. Um, but I would I think she's 
Well, for me, I think she's a little underrated. I think she's an amazing main title designer. And I think like her body of work, you know, really speaks for itself, especially, um, I mean, it was very, what I love, the last thing, I think she did the last thing, might not be the last thing, but um, she did um, Mirror of Kingstown with Jeremy Rayner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I actually really love that title. And I love that title so much because it was very prologue. <laughs> it, was. Prologue. It, was. it was and I just loved it it was so old school yeah. and I remember I messaged her and I said you know that is like that title is so good I love the breakup tight I love yeah, the way yeah, it's yeah. Kind of, the only thing it was pushed out in 3D space which is probably a little bit different but the whole like distressing texture yeah the grungy kind of look and it just like it was like going back in time watching it but it was brilliant I, I love that title sequence um, you know, and the alienist I thought was really a great sequence as well that she did, and you know, she's done other ones. Um, I love Catherine the Great. I think it was Catherine the Great, and with the fabrics. Though sometimes you can't remember the name of these shows. <laughs> uh, no, but her Corella, her main on end for Corella is really nice. Um, I don't think I've seen that one. Yeah. She obviously did Murders in the Building. I mean, that was. You know, it, it's such a, a niche little drawing, drawing main title that you wouldn't think. And then it's just, but she like she sort of focused on exactly what the client wanted, and it was just, it suits. She's really, really great at, at making the main title suit the show, which I think is kind of rare. Oh, she's an amazing suggestion. I've met her briefly, very, very briefly. Like, hey, and she said, hey, back. At yeah. the uh, at the Emmys, and that was it. Like we saw each other, we kind of knew who we who we we were. Um, but that's a great suggestion for sure. I'll reach out yeah. to her. I think I, I think I have her contact. Yeah, I do, I do, I do. No, that's that's great. That's I'll, I'll for sure reach out to to Lisa. I, I was I was also thinking back at the beginning of this conversation with you. You were talking about Kate Kate Berry. She's a producer. Mm-hmm. And I've always wanted to have a producer on, on the podcast. Do you, do you think? Oh, she would be great. Yeah. Yeah. I'd yeah, definitely. Ask Kate. She would. Uh, she would be great. Lisa and Kate would. You know, not not together, obviously, together, but um, yeah, yeah um, Lisa Bolin would be great. Um, because she's quite. She's really interesting uh, mm-hmm. to talk to. She knows the industry, um, really yes. well. Obviously. She, was with Danny Yoon at that period of time as well at Prologue. So she, you know, she knows a lot. She'd be really, really interesting to talk to. And Kate Berry as well, because she started at Prologue. And it'd be great. I think it would be a great thing to uh, yeah. interview an executive producer. I mean, she's been around for so long. So yeah. it'd be good. It'd be good. Two people, uh, those two people would be great for Yep. Awesome. I'll do that. I'll do, I'll do just that. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, thank you, Hazel. Uh, really nice to see you again. I haven't seen you in a in a bit. Um, in a while. And hope well, we can you, hope we can pitch on something again and and win it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and we can do it. <laughs> and, and actually go to the finish line together. That'd be great. <laughs> yeah, that would be fantastic. Well, thanks so much for having me, Philippe. I appreciate it. Ah, of course.